Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. I want to welcome everybody to get our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, our Alvin campus, our Webster campus, our Pearland campus, our online campus, and everybody at the Weibo Bible Church in Weibo, Montana. I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving. Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Everybody have a great Thanksgiving? Yes. I did too. Always great. Always, uh, it's one of my favorite holidays. And next one, uh, next favorite is coming up real soon. Christmas is now just around the corner. And that's why today we begin our uh, Christmas series. And as a reminder, uh, our year in missions offering link is now available on our website. Our people are generous all year long, but especially uh, toward the end of the year uh, around Christmas. So uh, if you're looking for some place to unload a lot of cash, go to that. And, uh, and, or if you just want to give an offering because you think it's the right thing to do, go there, uh, put some money in there, and we're going to send all 100% of that money is going to go outside of our church to our missions partners, right? Always, always good to do that. Um, I'm so excited about a Christmas series because I think what's going to happen, I think what's going to happen is that we're going to see things about Jesus in this series that will have the potential to help us get uh, re-centered spiritually, um, reconnected relationally, refocused when it comes to uh, life and material things and to uh, uh, reprioritize our time and attention. Did I just have hand motions for all those? I did. I did. I'm going to do it again just because I think that's cool. I didn't do that at the other service. So, uh, by the way, when I uh, started to come out for uh, the first service, I didn't even have my microphone on. That just shows you how much I enjoyed Thanksgiving. I didn't even have my microphone on. So, anyway, this series has the potential, hopefully, to uh, recenter us spiritually, to reconnect us relationally, to refocus. Uh, our lives when it comes to uh, life and material things and to reprioritize our time and attention. Did you see that? That's awesome. Thank you very much. My daughter, my youngest daughter says, if if people tied my hands behind my back, I wouldn't be able to talk. And it's probably true. But in other words, I am believing, (laughs) see, that that, uh, this this, uh, series is going to help a whole lot of people to become more like Jesus, myself included, which is the goal. That's the goal. That's what God had in mind, that we would bear the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. That process that we go through in this lifetime is called, there's a fancy word for it, it's called sanctification. That's the Holy Spirit making us more like Jesus. So I'm I'm praying, I'm praying that throughout this series, we can become uh, more like Jesus. Are you ready to become more like Jesus? Okay, let's start here. In the book of Matthew, Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah when he says this about Jesus. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, read this with me, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. It can be spelled with an E or an I, for those of you thinking that I spelled it incorrectly. Either way works. Uh, But it means uh, God with us, which, by the way, is the title of our lesson for today. And what an amazing truth this is that God... God would come down to earth 
uh, to be with us, but it is actually in line with the truth of life that we already know. And that is if you love someone, you're gonna wanna be around them. You're gonna wanna be around them. You're not gonna wanna be separated from them for long. And I remember when Jane and I were dating 100 years ago, um, doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's been a while. But when we were dating, we would see each other constantly. We had, you know, once we got off work, we already had plans to uh, see each other. And if we did not have plans, I would make up some lame excuse just to, you know, you, you drop this ink pen and I had to return it to you. And, and I would think of something just to get to see her again, because if you love someone, uh, you're going to want to spend time around them. And uh, that truth, believe it or not, is the motivation for God sending his son to this world. That's why Jesus came down. First John chapter four tells us this. In this, the love of God, meaning, meaning what he's about to say, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. In this, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So what was made manifest or made known among us? The love of God. The reason that Jesus came down was because of God's love for you and for me. You think of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. For God so loved you uh, that he sent Jesus. And so today with God's love as the backdrop, uh, I want to look at three truths about Jesus' descent to the earth that are found in one single verse in the book of John. Uh, By the way, John has a very different way of describing Jesus' birth And uh, the story of Jesus' life and ministry are found in four different books of the Bible. We call those books the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Here's a little trivia for you as we get going. So you can read all about Jesus' life and ministry in these four books. Uh, All a little bit different perspective, different angle on what Jesus did and uh, how he handled things. But still, uh, you can get a full picture of Jesus in these four books. The story of Jesus' birth is found in three of these, okay? It's found in Matthew. Uh, The story of Jesus' birth, in fact, it begins with a genealogy telling where he fit into the line of his family. Um, And then it it goes to Mary's pregnancy and Joseph finding out that his fiance was pregnant and all that stuff. Okay, that's Matthew. Mark doesn't include anything about Jesus' birth. There's nothing there. He begins, he fast forwards 30 years to when Jesus began his ministry. And then Luke kind of begins the same way as, uh, as Matthew, sort of, in that uh, he describes uh, Mary's encounter with the angel, the angel telling Mary that she was going to conceive a child who was going to be the son of God and so forth. And then John also has news of Jesus' birth, but his is so different from the other two. He, John does so in, in I, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but, but more of a big picture way. Because when you read it, which we will in just a second, there's no description of how Mary was feeling. There's no description of Mary. There's nothing about Joseph. There's nothing about a stable, nothing about a manger, nothing about shepherd, nothing about wise men. We don't see the nativity scene when we read John's account of Jesus' birth. But what we do see is the upper story. And what I mean by that is this. In every Bible story, 
There, there's an upper, upper story and there's a lower story. So the lower, lower story is what we can see. It's what we can see, what we can uh, imagine in our mind's eye, uh, the sights, the sounds, the details that are right in front of us. But there's always an upper story of what God is doing connected to it. And, and that we may not see by just looking at the lower story. And, and in this case, John leaves the details of the lower story to Matthew and Luke And he lets us know more about exactly who Jesus is and how he came down to earth. And so what I want to do is I want to begin by reading his account in John chapter 1. And then we're going to land on one verse where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Okay? And that's going to be verse 14. If you want to follow along, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Here we go. In the beginning was the word and the was with God and the was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So he was creator. In him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and I parenthetically put this in here. This is not in the text, just so that you wouldn't maybe mistake this John for this John who wrote this. This is actually talking about John the Baptist here. Verse 7, John the Baptist came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all uh, might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born uh, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then here's the verse that I want to spend the remainder of our time on. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word. Okay, so Lord, teach us to know Jesus more today. Amen? Now, now let me show you three amazing truths from this one verse uh, uh, as John gives us this down-to-earth account of Jesus coming to this earth, okay? First one is this. Jesus came down to earth as the Word. That's how John describes Jesus several times in the text. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Uh, He was with God in the beginning. And then verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if you think about it, you might wonder, and maybe you have wondered, as I have, as I've read through this, why did John call him the Word? Why not call him the Savior? Why not call him the Son of God? Why not call him the Messiah? Why begin a book about Jesus, an account of Jesus' birth and his ministry? Call it, why, why, why begin it in, in a way that feels a little bit obscure? Why call him the Word? Why not just call him by his name, Jesus? And Well, even though using the word word may make us scratch our heads just a little bit, anyone with a Jewish background back in the day got it immediately. That's because in the Old Testament, the presence of God and the word of God or any combination of the two became synonymous. 
Here, here, you can kind of see this. If you obeyed God's word, you obeyed who? God. If you disobeyed God, you disobeyed his what? His word. God's presence and God's word were seen as one and the same. Now, after the exile, which we talked about in our last series, which was 500 years plus before John wrote this, when the exile was through and the people started coming back to Israel, uh, they'd been in uh, Babylon for a long time. So prior to them going to Babylon, everybody was speaking Hebrew. When they left, most people were speaking Aramaic, which is kind of, you can look it up, Google it, uh, read about it, but it's kind of a mismatch, mashup of different languages, and, and, but it is an actual language, Aramaic. And in Aramaic, the word that they use for the word, word, that sounds confusing. The word, how can I say that? The word for word, are you tracking with me? Was the word Mimra. Mimra means what here? Word, thank you, thank you for clearing that up. Uh, Mimra is Aramaic, and, and, and it appears many times in what we now call the Targum, um, uh, uh, when the people came out of Babylon, uh, rabbis were teaching, but the Bible was in Hebrew, so they were trying to uh, present it in a way that the people could understand. So the Targum, that is a kind of a paraphrase of the Hebrew, uh, which would be our Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. And so they were paraphrasing it into Aramaic. They weren't supposed to write it down, though some did. And, and that's what the rabbis would teach from was the Targum. In the Targum, the, the word of the Lord and the presence of God, whenever those two things were mentioned, um, they, they would describe it as Mimra, as Mimra, okay? It would be the Lord or the word of the Lord. And if you've ever read through the prophets, you see it's in there all the time. I just read through, uh, not Memra, but, but those two thoughts. I, I just read through Jeremiah. I'm working on Ezekiel right now. It's in there, I don't know how many times. I should have started circling it, but it's in there so many times. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah, which would be Memra. They would just say that as God came to the prophet Jeremiah, or God came to the prophet Ezekiel, same thing as the word of the Lord coming to that prophet. And then you think all the way back in Genesis, when God created the world, he spoke it by his words into existence. And so if you grew up going to the, the Jewish synagogue, you heard it again and again and again, Mimra, Mimra, Mimra. When, when God would show up, that would be Mimra. Okay, which is the same thing as the word of the Lord being spoken. Now, by the time that John writes his book, Israel has been occupied by the Roman Empire for a long time now. And so now the, the, the written language is uh, Greek. And so when John wrote his book, he wrote it in Greek. Listen to me now. The equivalent of the Aramaic word memra is the Greek word logos. Logos. Now, imagine this. Imagine growing up in a Jewish household, going to the synagogue, and hearing again and again and again in the synagogue, Mimra, which means the word, which means both God's word and God himself. You heard that over and over and over again. Word equals God. Word equals God. 
And, 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 and then you hear or you read John's text and it says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and all things were made through him and not one thing was made that hasn't been made through him. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's pretty clear what John was saying. He was telling the world that God has shown up on earth. He came down to earth in the form of Jesus as a human being. Now, the writer of Hebrews takes this same tact in his book, Hebrews chapter 1. He says, long ago, many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So God has spoken by his son, is what it says. Same idea as John is giving us in the birth of Jesus, the account of the birth of Jesus. And even though it might make us scratch our heads a little bit, every Jewish person, and I think us with a little bit of context, it makes perfect sense why God, why, why John would refer to God coming to earth as the Word. When Jesus was born, God had come down to earth with us. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Second amazing thing that I want you to see from John's account is that Jesus came down as the Word, but in the flesh. Now, theologically, the, the, the term for this idea is, uh, is the incarnation. So, he took on flesh, he became flesh. That that the word that is used for that is incarnation. Now that word is not in the scriptures, but it's a good word nonetheless. What does incarnation mean? Well, let me explain it this way. Perhaps you've been to a Mexican restaurant and at the Mexican restaurant, you, you ordered carne asada. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody up for some carne asada? Tired of, tired of turkey? Ready for some carne asada? Does anyone know what that is? Anybody just order, go in and order carne asada? Okay, you know what it is? Here it is right here, okay? It's meat, it's a, more specifically beef, right? Uh, by the way, how many of you are thinking about having uh, Tex-Mex after the service today? Just, uh, just cross your mind. It was like, that would be good today. Okay, so carne asada, meat, all right? Uh, in school, you probably learned growing up uh, that there are animals that are referred to as carnivores, okay? So what is a carnivore? It's an animal that eats what? Meat. Meat. Okay, pop quiz. Are humans carnivores? Yes. Wrong. We're omnivores. We eat both meat and plants. Go back to second grade. Uh, <clears throat> But these words, incarnation, carne asada, carnivore, uh, even carnage, uh, all come from the same source. Like the carn, is, it's related to meat or flesh. And so when John says the word became flesh, he's saying that God literally put on human flesh and became a resident of this earth. That's crazy. This, this phrase right here is just crazy. The Word became flesh. Do you understand how amazing those three words are together? That God would put on human flesh. I want you to do something right now at all of our campuses. 
I want you to, uh, and you may have to move a little bit to do this, but I want you to, uh, uh, to the person next to you that you don't know, okay? Or, or maybe you do know, maybe you came with them, but uh, let's, let's, let's not be stingy. Let's share ourselves with other people, okay? I just want you to, uh, uh, even if you have to scooch a little bit or look over uh, behind you uh, to get somebody close by, I want you just to introduce yourself real quick. Go ahead. Okay, now, uh, a couple questions for him. Um, uh, now, now, now that you are good friends, ask him this. <laughs> ask him if they had a good Thanksgiving. Ask him, ask him that. Do you have a good Thanksgiving? Okay, okay, okay. Now, ask him if they started Christmas shopping yet. Ask him if they started. <laughs> Okay, okay, now, now I want you to tell them something. I want you to tell them something. Tell them don't go in debt Christmas shopping. Tell them that. Okay, okay, I got one more, I got one more. Ask them to give you their credit card so that you can help them with that promise. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so what just happened? What just happened is we just had an experience with another human being. Okay, we got to, we got to, to, to meet another human being. We got to hear a couple of things from them. We got to see a smile on their face. And that's a real experience. And I want you to imagine this. Imagine if you were alive 2,000 years ago, you're in the market, you're getting tired of walking around with your wife. So you go sit down. On, on the old bench, uh, the old man bench, and, and you're, you're seated there, and another guy comes up, and he sits down beside you, and he just, you don't look at him, because we don't do that. You just, you're just sitting there, but the, the, the guy says to you, man, it's busy today. And you're like, yeah, it is. And as you turn just to glance at him, you, it's Jesus. Jesus just sat down next to you. And you recognize him because you've seen him maybe from a distance teaching and you are now like freaking out. You're like, Jesus is sitting next to me and he's talking to me and you start having those feelings. I, I don't know if you've ever met a celebrity, you know, before been in the presence of a celebrity. I, I remember one time there was like this basketball player, man, that I probably idolized a little bit too much, you know, fan mail and all that kind of stuff. And, and, I, and all of a sudden I'm in a situation where he is like five feet in front of me, but he's talking to somebody else. And so I was with some of my buddies and, and uh, I'm just standing there just like aghast that he's so close by. And so, my buddy that I thought was standing right next to me, I just looked like this. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? And I turned and looked at him and it wasn't my buddy. And <clears throat> the guy's like, come on, man. You know, uh, I can believe, I believe, you know. I don't remember what he said, but he was not too impressed with me. And, but I mean, if you've ever had that feel, you know that feeling I'm talking about? Like, wow, this is incredible. Now, take that up about a million notches. Because 
It's God on the bench next to you. That's crazy, isn't it? That's a crazy thought. But that's what God did. Jesus, Jesus came to this earth and put on flesh and bones and he had a smile and he had a personality and he did so so that he could dwell among us. He did the unthinkable. He came to earth and that is an unthinkable trip for him because here's why. When you love someone, you show up. When you love someone, you show up. And that's a word for somebody today. When you love people, you show up for them. And then John tells us another amazing truth, and we'll get through some application, okay? Number three, Jesus came down to earth full of grace and truth. He came down to this earth full of grace and truth. I'm so glad that he didn't just come down full of one without the other because we need both. We need both grace and truth, and you can actually err on one side or the other, and I know all the time, it just happened all the time, people are erring on one side or the other. And I'm thinking about a story that happened just a while back in Houston. Um, A guy who was arrested for murder, released on bond. Six months later, he was uh, charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon after he pointed a gun at two women. The DA asked for no bail, so he got out again, proceeded to fire 40 shots into somebody's house, killing another guy. Okay, that guy doesn't need more grace in his life. Okay, he used that up, right? Am I right about that? <clears throat> you got to have both. You got to have a little bit of grace, yes, but it, uh, all of the grace that you can get and all of the truth that you can get. He needed in his life some truth, which is you're a danger to society, and so you're going to sit right here, okay, and uh, enjoy your time. But uh, all of us need all of the grace of God. All of us need all of the truth of God in our lives. In fact, If you only have truth without grace, that leads to legalism. If you only have grace without truth, then that leads to lawlessness. So we need a balance of both. And I will say, there was a day when a lot of churches were truth only. Those are the, that's the hellfire and damnation days, you know, hellfire and brimstone days. And uh, I actually enjoyed those days. Uh, But then the... (laughs) Anybody else? But then the pendulum swung to the other side, and it was all about grace. And in a lot of churches, there was no mention of sin, no mention of hell, no mention of living a holy life. Just grace, just grace. God loves you. Yeah. Does he care what I do? No, because he loves you so much, he doesn't care what you do. Well, it turns out God cares about what we do. He cares about how we live our lives, and he wants us to be made into the image of his son. But a lot of people, they didn't want any instruction. They didn't want any expectations put on them. All they wanted was the grace of God. No expectations. Leave me, leave me alone with that truth stuff, you know? Now, the right mix, believe it or not, is not in the middle. The right mix is not in the middle. It is 100% of both. We need all of the grace of God. All of us do. How many of you need God's grace? Anybody? Yeah. We need all of the grace of God. Well, guess what? We also need all of the truth of God. And John was very clear to tell us that Jesus came full of both. You know, a person can't be saved unless they understand that they're a sinner who needs to be saved. 
And a person who knows they are a sinner can't be saved unless they place their faith and their trust in Jesus who came down to this earth and died on the cross to pay their sin debt. That's the grace part of it. And so at this church, I don't know if you have figured this out already, you're going to hear both sides of this equation, hopefully in every single sermon that you hear, because that's where the love of God is. The love of God is in 100% truth and 100% grace. Now, let me give you a few applications, and then you can go Christmas shopping, right? <laughs> Without debt. Without debt. <clears throat> First one is this. <clears throat> love your people by giving them a shared experience. And by your people, I'm talking about the people that God has put into your life. Love your people by giving them a shared experience. Now, <clears throat> We're doing this because, <clears throat> pardon me, we're doing this because uh, Jesus didn't stay far from us. God did not stay away from us. He came down into our experience and shared it with us. Not that we're God, not that we're Jesus, not that our life is going to necessarily save anyone if they put their trust in us. That's not how it works. Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Savior. But we are supposed to look more and more like him. We're supposed to follow him in our actions and in our attitudes. So I'm saying, give the people in your life a shared experience and share that experience with them. Um, truth is, and, and, and maybe this will help you Christmas shopping, your family will forget all of the gifts that you give to them. They'll forget them, every single one of them. I don't care how much you spend. Every single one, years down the line, you, years down the line, you, you, you tell them, remember when I got you that? And they'll go, nope, I don't remember that. I spent $1,000 on that. Well, I thought so-and-so gave me that. Okay. Okay, they're gonna, they, however, they will forget if you don't get them anything. So you gotta get them something. But on top of those gifts that you did not go in debt to get, give them the shared experience of you and others. Now, I mentioned one a few weeks ago. I said, you know, make a campfire in your backyard, cook some s'mores and, and get a few questions for people to answer. And uh, here I actually brought some sample questions. Um, uh, real basic, okay? Just to get the conversation going. If you could only watch one Christmas movie this year, what would it be? Let's just answer that one out loud. One, two, three. Die hard, thank you. Die hard. What is your favorite Christmas song? What is your favorite memory from this past year? What are, what are you looking forward to next year? Uh, what do you love most about this time of year? How about, how about this? W once they've answered a few of those and the conversation really gets going, then tell them, tell, tell, tell your people what God's been doing in your heart and in your life this year. Just be honest, just go, just bear your soul and say, this is what I feel like God's been teaching me and anybody else wanna share. And I'm gonna tell you something, you're gonna be surprised that there'll be other people that open up. And that, my friends, people will remember. In fact, someday when your time is up and you look back on your life, I guarantee you, your best memories will be the times that you spent with your loved ones, not watching TV or staring at your phone, which by the way, brings up another one. Love your people by giving them your presence. Give them your presence. Not the same thing as a shared experience. This is uh, you paying attention day to day throughout the holidays. And to get there, to get there, it might mean 
deleting an app. Tell me you know what I mean by that. Deleting an app that's taking up too much of your time. I, uh, <clears throat> I got kicked off Facebook a couple years ago. So I'm not on Facebook and, and I deleted my Instagram app um, off my phone and I'm just going to, and I don't have TikTok. I'm not going to go down that road, but uh, I want to tell you something. It's amazing. You don't really have to have it. I don't know if you know that. You don't have to have it and you can get so much more done when you're not staring at your phone. And so, and so uh, delete it, let it go. And, and some of you are thinking, man, that's drastic. That's drastic. Deleting my app so I can give people my presence. Jesus left heaven to give people his presence. Heaven's better than any app. <laughs> you with me? So it's not that big of a deal. Whatever, whatever you gotta do, man. Whatever you gotta do to clear the table so that you can spend more quality time with your people, uh, then do it. And once again, we're, we're, not, we're not Jesus, and I'm not saying that anybody's salvation hangs in the balance because you have an app on your phone. I'm not saying that. But, but we're trying to be more like Jesus, and so he gave us his presence. We can give other people our attentive presence. And uh, maybe God can use that for his glory. And I got one more, okay? And I'm going to ask the campus pastors at all of our campuses to go ahead and come on up to the stage at this time. Letter C would be, Love your people by giving them grace and truth. By giving them grace and truth. I, I know when it's our people, we just want to give them grace. And I think that's a mistake all of us have made at times. But what they need is the truth as well. And grace is that Jesus loves them and died on the cross for them. Truth would be the hard side of that would be we're sinners and we need to repent. And so in conversation, tell them your story, tell them your story of repentance, tell them the sins maybe that were wearing you down, but give them both grace and give them truth, okay? Now, I wanna read verse 14 one more time, and then I'll be done. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glorious of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you couldn't stay away. Love you guys. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to follow, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.